Welcome to the Triage Method podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. This is the longer episode of the week. For those of you who have been listening to the podcast regularly, you'll have noticed that last week we introduced some shorter episodes. Um, So we did one on Thursday. So if you missed out on that, have a listen, see what you think of those shorter episodes, and feel free to submit your questions. In these episodes on the Monday, essentially what we're going to be doing is discussing the topics that we'd like to flesh out a bit more. So these are generally going to be between one to two hours in duration, whereas the shorter episodes are going to be no more than 30 to 60 minutes, mainly around kind of 30 minutes. Um, So this week, our our bigger topic to touch on, um, both in terms of some of the relevant science and our own kind of practical experience in terms of what we do and what we advise our clients. We're gonna be talking about caffeine. So all things caffeine, how it relates to your performance, potentially how it might relate to your body composition goals, and maybe address some of the concerns that people might have as to how much caffeine they should be having, and whether or not they should cycle it, should you quit for a while, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what we're gonna be discussing in this episode of the podcast. Wonderful, Gary. And yeah, like you said, we are kind of bringing in two podcast formats, but they're still going to be in the, the same feed. If you're just subscribed, either on YouTube or you're subscribed on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy. Um, but yeah, I, I reckon what's going to happen is that second Q&A episode is just going to consistently get longer. And we're basically just going to do two to three hours of podcasting per week consistently. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see see how that plays out. But yeah, you do submit your questions for that, and um, you can do so in the description. There is a link to submit your questions. You can ask in the Facebook group, which you should be in. It's free. And um, again, link is in the description. And then you can obviously ask in the the email as well. So there's a multiple ways that you can get involved. And um, probably the easiest is the free Facebook group uh, or submitting your question in the little description box thing there, there's a little form that you can fill out. And they're probably the two easiest ways to kind of get involved. But yeah, I would definitely recommend getting involved with the the free Facebook group because it's kind of lit and I don't know what you're doing with your life if you're not involved. But anyway, as Gary said, we are going to talk about all things caffeine today, right? Because this is quite relevant to a lot of people in terms of most people these days, like caffeine is the most widely used drug in the world, or rather one one of the most widely used drugs in the world. Like I don't know about people on the weekend, what their cocaine habits are like, but caffeine is a generally accepted drug to use daily, and people do, in fact, use it daily, right? And there are a lot of pros and a lot of cons to caffeine consumption. So we want to kind of flesh out some of those, as Gary said, and kind of touch on a few different perspectives so that you can get a better understanding and a better idea of how you should potentially structure your day, structure your caffeine consumption throughout the week um, to get the benefits and not get the cons, right? So if you listen to the sleep podcast we did, I think that was last week, wasn't it? Um, So we did touch on caffeine. So we will be touching on caffeine again in regard to sleep later on in the podcast. Um, But for now, the the thing that you need to understand is how caffeine 
works. And I don't want to, for this to be like some sort of neuroscience lecture because I like, I always think I'm like, if we're going to talk about actual mechanistic stuff, it makes more sense to have, you know, more visual stuff. It's actually easier to flesh it out in a written format. So that's why we have written articles. Like some of those things, it's just easier to talk about some things in a written format, right? I actually don't think we have any caffeine articles on site, but they are in the pipeline, you know? Um, so uh, anyway, caffeine. Effectively, caffeine, if you can pull up an image of caffeine, the molecule caffeine, if you can do that on Google, fucking YouTube, whatever, and then you pull up a, an image of adenosine, which you might remember adenosine from like ATP, you know, it's involved in energy, energy metabolism, it's involved in all that kind of stuff. You might remember that from your, your science lectures. Um, effectively, those two molecules look very similar. They've got structures that are similar enough, right? And if you remember anything from your science as well, you'll know that the human body, well, most uh, bodies, most living organisms have receptors, right? And those receptors, like they, they generally talk about like a, a lock and key fit with receptors. That's not completely true, but for this analogy, it works quite well. So you effectively got a lock and it has a certain shape we'll just say it's shaped like that if you're you're looking at it or it's shaped like that like a kind of v we'll say and then you have a key that fits into it so you know the the thing might be shaped that and fits in to there's the receptor there's the molecule of interest and it fits in so basically i'm just using for the listeners my, my fingers are in a v like a peace sign and then i'm using my hand and they face basically fit together right so that's effectively how receptors work in the body right now as i said that caffeine and that adenosine they have a similar kind of structure right which leads them to effectively fitting into the same receptor in the body right not again this is why i'm saying that the lock and key thing is not 100 percent, but it works for this uh, so effectively the way adenosine acts in your brain is that Adenosine acts as, we'll say, I don't know how to say this, as a kind of energy sensor, right? And what I mean by that is, you know, you're burning through energy, you're using energy, you're using ATP, it's being degraded into ADP, you know, there's a constant cycle of phosphates being moved around, you know, there's all that stuff going on, right? But that adenosine can fit into those receptors and effectively they are to promote, we'll say, fatigue. Right, so you know you're you're burning through. You're using all this ATP again. It's a renewable process, but you know your body wants to regulate this somehow. And again, effectively, those adenosines are fitting into these receptors, and that is giving a signal to your body that you are now fatigued. Right, that's effectively what's going on in a very simplistic manner. Right, obviously, a lot of other stuff is going on because it interacts with the dopamine dopaminergic system, the serotonergic system the acetylcholine system, like loads of other things that are going on. But effectively, you know, adenosine binds, it kind of tells the body, especially when there's a, a certain amount, we'll say there's a threshold that you are fatigued, right? Now, caffeine, again, fits into that receptor as well. However, it doesn't give you that fatigue uh, signal, right? So the caffeine binds to the receptor, but you're not getting the same signal that you get from the adenosine. Okay, so you don't actually feel fatigued. So caffeine is not uh, a wakefulness drug. It's more of an anti-fatigue drug, 
right? That makes sense, right? However, caffeine also has stimulatory effects, you know? So you'll get increased uh, uh, adrenaline secretion. You'll get in, in, increased, you know, again, it interacts with all the, the dopaminergic system, the serotonergic system, the acetylcholine system. Um, so it interacts with all these systems as well. And it, it interacts across the body uh, as a whole. And you get these potential performance benefits or what we would see as performance benefits, you know, because it, is, it does have stimulatory effects, right? And that can lead you to having, you know, slightly increased heart rate. That would be what some people experience. Some people ex experience, you know, some uh, <clears throat> increased need to urinate from having caffeine. And again, that's potentially because it's interacting with the aldosterone receptor. You know, it's potentially bringing cortisol levels just up a little bit. Cortisol interacting with the aldosterone receptor, but it's also then interacting with other things uh, around the body like i said the acetylcholine system as well which again if you remember back to your your science you know that's the again acetylcholine receptors are found in muscles you know or rather acetylcholine is involved in muscular contractions um <coughs> excuse me um so it interacts at that level as well so there's a lot going on in terms of the the, the background with caffeine but it's actually not important that you understand how it's working or why it's working. All you really need to understand is that caffeine, when ingested, is both an anti-fatigue drug, right? And then also uh, a, a stimulatory drug, right? I actually didn't explain something which probably makes sense when we'll discuss sleep, which I'll have to explain. So caffeine, once it gets off the receptor, so again, like it's effectively bound to the receptor it leaves the receptor you then feel more fatigue you know so people talk about having like a caffeine crash that's it's not actually a caffeine crash per se it's more like the caffeine has been taken off the receptor and now all that adenosine that has been built up hits you all at once you know that's that's a little bit easier yeah exactly you feel tired now you're like whoa, whoa. i feel like i'm having a crash it's like it's not because like caffeine has worn off it's more like caffeine has unbound from the receptor and now that adenosine is hitting you and you have like a, a huge buildup of adenosine, right? So um, that, that's a little bit more important, again, when you understand the sleep stuff. But yeah, for now, all you really need to know is that caffeine has what are generally called wakefulness properties, but it's really more an anti-fatigue property. And it also then has stimulatory properties, which are more of a wakefulness property. All right, so Gary, are you still with us? Yes, sir. Still with you. Does that make sense? It does. It makes a lot of sense. So we've got, we've essentially got caffeine, which is a drug, we're calling it, you know, present in the food supply, in generally in beverages that people are consuming. That's having some effects on like lots of different systems in the body, lots of different levels. And that's something like we probably get into when it comes to like, the performance benefits, like you, you kind of said there, you know, like this is all what's going on, but it's not really that important. Like one, like one of the things you see in the research as it relates to strength, for example, is that there's a lot of like to and fro about, it might be this mechanism that's maybe most important for strength, or maybe it's this mechanism, or maybe it's this one. But what's actually really most important for the listener is like, right, we've got loads of research to show that this is probably helpful for your performance. So like whether it's, it's, it's at the level of calcium, you know, within the muscle or whether it's at the level of the sodium and potassium pumps or whether it's solely like an, an adrenaline or kind of stress response, catecholamine mediated effect like you're discussing, 
whether it's which one of those it is actually isn't too important for the listener. So, so yeah, understand that there's a lot going on in the background um, or on the, on the internal rather. So there's a lot going on. Um, it's acting on one thing. Um, and then that will give different effects that, that are actually taking place when you do consume caffeine. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you could add a little bit there, but I think I got the, the gist of what you said. Um, but anyway, yeah, so as you said, that's basically what is occurring. That's basically what people need to understand. They don't actually need to understand all the, the background stuff or the under the hood stuff. They just need to know that caffeine is having a potential performance enhancing effect, right? Um, again, in, in certain situations, depending right so how do we actually use that information then to actually inform our our approaches our protocols around caffeine right so we're going to talk about this from a few different perspectives but mainly we're going to talk about this from a health perspective and then a performance perspective right and what i mean by that is so if we're saying that caffeine has a potential wakefulness property right you can see why that then becomes beneficial for people engaged in especially what's we'll say i have no idea what happened there did you just exit that carry no oh, it just fucking froze i don't know why it just started freezing though because the internet was like perfect you scumbag anyway this is still recording so we're gonna go with it and yeah. um, so as i was saying you effectively get you can see why people that are engaged in like say office work you know where it's kind of like you're just doing the same thing all the time you're just typing at a computer you're not really active you're not really moving around you're not doing a huge amount of stuff you're kind of just like in a position typing away your eyes are getting fatigued you're getting kind of a little bit bored whatever else you can see why caffeine which is you know somewhat stimulatory and it has you know, anti-fatigue effects, you can see why that becomes the drug of choice for people, you know, because it's like, okay, what do you want to be when you're sitting at this desk board? You're like, oh yeah, actually I want to be a little bit more stimulated. I want to be a little bit more, you know, energized, right? And you're also kind of fatigued. You're, you're falling asleep while you're doing it. It's like, okay, well, I actually want to be awake. I want to actually, you know, be somewhat anti-fatigued, you know? So it makes sense that you would reach for the caffeine, right? So it has performance enhancing effects directly related to you know your day-to-day -day life the activities you engage in in terms of the work you do right because the effects that you're getting from caffeine are beneficial for you know the kind of jobs that most people are engaged in you know but it also has beneficial effects for those engaged in we'll say uh, more manual labor you know and that i would include in that you know the resistance training cardiovascular work you know actual training itself as well so if you are like a, a laborer you're a bricklayer or whatever you know it's going to have performance enhancing effects there as well because you're going to get a stimulatory effect and you're not going to feel as tired from that work as well right so again has great effects there same again with the, the performance side of things in the gym you know you're going to see there's also, again, because it interacts with like the, the muscular system, we'll say, and the nervous system. So you effectively get an increased performance because, you, especially anaerobic stuff, 
you get an increased performance benefit from it. So you potentially are getting a few extra reps throughout your workout. You know, you're potentially able to lift a slightly heavier weight through your, your, uh, your sets, you know? And so, and you're also not feeling as fatigued as the workout progresses. You know, you're not going, you do, don't do half the workout and go, Oh, you know, I'm kind of beat. I'm kind of spent, you know, uh, you're, you're able to push through that. Right. So there's 100% performance enhancing benefits, right? There's also health, pro- pro- health promoting benefits from caffeine, right? And these are always, this is always really hard argument to decipher out because the source matters, you know, like we talked about before with, you know, obviously calories are the, the big driver, but the source of those calories is important as well you know with regard to fat loss muscle gain whatever else you know it's not just that the energy component the actual source matters and this is the same with the 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 caffeine you know yes caffeine is going to give you these health benefits because it interacts with you know increased heart rate you know potentially that's also strengthening your heart your vascular system it interacts with all this stuff you know you're getting uh toning your uh uh adrenaline secretion if that makes sense like you're actually engaging in that you're 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 effectively using it which again like the, the human body basically works on a use it or lose it perspective and um, unfortunately as we'll touch on later on there's also the uh, abuse it and lose it system um so it's obviously interacting with all that stuff as well however it's really hard to decipher whether it's the coffee intake or the, the caffeine intake, because people kind of forget this, that coffee is a, a bean, you know? Like, if you were to eat coffee beans, you know, in the non-dried out version, like, people would consider that a dietary component, you know? I don't know the, the macros on it, but I'm, pres- I'm presuming it's probably relatively high in fiber, relatively high, I know it is relatively high in micronutrients, and I presume, again, like, carbs or whatever in it as well, you know? So, if you were to eat it as a component of your diet, I don't know if it is actually edible or whatever, um, you know, people are going to, would, would classify that as a, a health-promoting food. You know, they'd be like, all right, it's basically vegetables. You know, it's like beans. It's like red kidney beans or whatever, you know? Um, so you have to factor that in as well. That people are drinking coffee, that coffee is actually a huge source of micronutrients, minerals, vitamins, whatever else. Like, they always use that uh whatever there's studies to show that coffee is the largest source of micronutrients in the american diet now i don't know if that says a lot about the american diet being very nutrient sparse and that coffee is the the biggest contributor but or or is it saying that they just drink a fuck ton of coffee you know i i don't know which one it is you know but it is a source of micronutrients it is a source of phytonutrients whatever else so you have to then factor that in as well. Is that what promoting the health promoting effect? And again, it's really hard to decipher because studies will use coffee and studies will use caffeine. And again, I just think it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, you know? But they do show that, you know, three to four cups of coffee per day does seem to have a heart health promoting benefit, right? In terms of, you know, long-term cardiac health seems to be beneficial from drinking three to four cups of coffee per day right but again with all these studies you do have to look at the bigger picture like is that just in sedentary individuals that aren't engaging in 
resistance training, aren't engaging in cardiovascular work, you know, again, you have to factor all of these things in. You can't just look at something in isolation and say, that's what I need to do. You have to factor that into your lifestyle, all the other things that you're doing, right? So there does seem to be performance enhancing benefits. There does seem to be health enhancing benefits. So you would presume that everyone should be slamming back this, this caffeine, Gary, yes? One would presume. Why not? Makes I mean, sense. You know? less, less espresso, more espresso. That's it, right? First of all, we should mention that most people that are looking for these effects uh, in terms of performance, we'll say uh, manual performance, like physical performance even is probably a better word. Uh, they are not actually, well, generally you see people fall into two camps and they effectively are both wrong where people are like, oh, I just have a coffee before the gym, right? And in a coffee, regular coffee, you know, you're probably getting somewhere between what? 70 to 120 milligrams, somewhere around that. Depending on whatever, like obviously if you're getting a double espresso, yeah, whatever the fuck else, you know, you're, you're, you're slamming in four espressos into your, your coffee. Obviously that's going to be different, but you know, generally we'll say 70 to 120 or even people drinking like a, a monster or uh, some sort of energy drink to get their caffeine in, you know, we'll say that even goes up to, you know, whatever 200 maybe we'll say even like 200 i would be like the max i i don't think there's much that goes over to 200 and generally that's what you see so people are generally on the the lower end we'll call that and then there's also then people that are on the extreme end they're like oh yeah i take my i have a coffee then i have my monster and then i have pre-workout as well and i triple scoop the pre-workout you know and they end up on like two grams of caffeine pre-workout, you know, and they're like, whatever, 85 kilos or something, you know? Um, so we'll say there's people on that higher end as well. And generally the research is like, okay, there seems to be a U curve with this where the low intake is like, yeah, you get some performance enhancing benefits, Again, as you ramp up the dose, you seem to get more and more benefits. You know, once you're in that kind of, we'll say, two to even eight milligrams per kg, you seem to be getting some pretty good uh, benefits from. And then as you get further and further, it's like, okay, you're actually just, you're not getting any more benefits. You might actually just start seeing decrements in performance. You know, like if your heart is beating so hard out of your chest while you're trying to fucking squat, you know, that's probably not going to lead to a great squat performance, <laughs> you know? Uh, like, if you're so stimulated, you're, like, hyped up out of your mind, you're like, oh, you need to fucking do this, you know, you're going you're gonna to blow your load too soon, you know? Um, so there does seem to be some sort of U-curve. So generally, I tend, if I'm recommending caffeine for a performance-enhancing effect, I tend to just start on the lower end, and then you can sort of titrate up a little bit, and see how you how performance increases versus side effects that you may get you know increased heart rate you know potentially you know fatiguing earlier because you're you're just so hyped you know uh, or experiencing a, a huge crash we were talking about earlier and um, so 
you want to start a little bit lower in the dose and then titrate up. So you could go again, like the people that are doing like, Oh, I'm going to have a coffee, see how that affects me. If you get the performance enhancing benefits, like I, I don't think you're going to get huge performance enhancing benefits from just one coffee. You know, like you might get some sort of stimulation, like, like, okay, that's enough. That's what I need to just, you know, push myself to actually go to the gym and, you know, get, get a little bit warmed up or whatever, a little bit earlier, you know? Um, but I don't think you're going to see an actual like performance enhancing benefit until you start getting into, we'll say the two to 500 milligram range, you know, for most people, obviously again, depends yeah. on your, your weight and training experience, coffee, ex caffeine exposure and all that kind of stuff, you know, but generally I don't think most people are going to see a benefit until they're in that two to 500 range. You know, you as an individual might be like, okay, I seem to get a benefit up to 700 milligrams, you know? But after that, I think side effects just become too apparent, right? Or the cons start outweighing the, the pros to this, you know? So if you are looking to use caffeine to promote performance increases, Again, I would start at the lower end, slowly bring that up. If you're going above 500 milligrams, then I don't know. I don't really see the, the pros outweighing the cons, right? But also what you have to factor into this is your caffeine intake throughout the entire day, right? Because what people will do is like, oh yeah, I just had 200 milligrams of caffeine. You know, they're, they're training at four o'clock, we'll say. Like, oh yeah, I just had 200 milligrams of caffeine. Right? It's cool. That's... I'm going to start at low dose, but they just don't factor in the fact that they've already had three cups of coffee that day, you know? So it's not just what you've had in the last 30 minutes before your workout, right? Like the half-life of caffeine is like, whatever, six to nine hours, depending on the, how you metabolize it. You know, some people are even further out than that, but six to nine hours is the general figure I think that's given, right? Um, so you might have your coffee in the morning Right, and we'll say it's a, a double espresso, and you've got whatever I don't know how much caffeine is in that. We'll just say 150 milligrams, just for whatever you know. Six hours later, we'll say you have that at 8 a.m. You know, six hours later, what time is that? That's two o'clock, is it? You know, you still have about half of that in your system, so you still have about 70 milligrams or whatever in your system. Right. So if you've topped that up in between that time, you know, you have your coffee at eight and you have another one at your break at one. Right. And you have the same thing again, a double espresso. Like it's not just like, oh, you've started over again. You know, we'll say when you had that second coffee at one, your system had 80 milligrams and you had the exact same coffee. You had a double espresso, you know, with 150. You know, I'm just picking these numbers out of my ass, but you know what I mean? Like just do the actual maths for whatever the actual numbers are, you know, you're now at like 230 in your system at whatever time that is two o'clock, you know? So that's already in your system. And then you're going into a session training at four and you're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to have my 200 milligram caffeine exposure. Then it's like, no, like now you're at whatever, again, the time wise you're at 400 now. You know, like it does add up over time, it stays in your system. You know, it's not like, oh, it's gone. It's just, it's just out of my system straight away within 30 minutes. You know, it's like, no, it stays around six to nine hours, right? So 
you do have to factor that into your caffeine intake, which effectively leads us to the, the next point, which is that people that get the biggest performance enhancing effects from caffeine are people that don't use caffeine regularly, right? So if you are constantly hammering caffeine, right, you are having four or five cups per day and you're trying to get a performance enhance, enhancing effect from caffeine, you're probably not going to notice a huge amount. You have like, we'll say 200 milligrams before your workout. You're not really going to notice anything. You're not going to really feel any extra stimulation. You're not going to really feel any uh, anti stuff. You know, that's, it's, you're not generally going to notice much from that if you are consistently having uh, a high caffeine intake throughout the day. Would you agree, Gary? Yeah, like there, there, is, there is some like kind of mixed evidence in that in that like some studies show that like, all right, you know, even in habitual caffeine consumers, you can still get, you know, some, some improvements in performance. Um, but I think like it, it is, it is somewhat mixed. I, I believe there was more research this year to basically support what you're saying. And I think like anecdotally, like I think what you have to try and do is actually like separate, separate the different types of effects the caffeine actually has. So if we're talking about like the mechanistic effect of like, right, what does this actually do to definitively improve performance? Like that's all cool. But the other side of things are those psychological effects, like mm. the stimulatory effects that even the, the habit forming effects, like for example, if you have caffeine and you feel super stimulated, the behaviors that you're going to engage in when you go to the gym, you know, you're, you're, you feel more amped up, you feel ready, you're excited to get to the gym, etc. And I think like that's often not replicated in research studies where regardless, the subjects are coming in and they're being pushed to do performance within the lab anyway. So I think it's important to try and think about what differences there might be between some of the research and between what happens in the real world. Because in the real world, generally people are going to use caffeine for, like, if you're using it strategically, for the hardest sessions. So if you're feeling like, oh man, I don't know about this session today, it's going to be really challenging. If you're not accustomed or, or you haven't developed a high level of tolerance to caffeine, and then you have a, a bolus of caffeine that gets you real amped up, then that could be the difference between you really going for that session and not going for it. So I think that's really, really important to consider. Um, and, and in that case, like that is essentially what I would recommend to people in terms of how they use caffeine is that you save it for your harder sessions. Like if, if we're going to come to the recommendations in a second, Gary, don't you be skipping ahead, right? Sure. What you just said is very important that people are generally feeling the side effects of caffeine. And this is generally what people do. Like this is why people like uh, supplement manufacturers will put a lot of beta alanine in pre-workouts. So you feel the side effects. You're like, oh, this is this is really working. I feel real fucking hyped up, you know, or my, my skin is itching. That's that means that the, the pre-workout is kicking in, you know? And most people are more enthralled with the side effects rather than the performance increasing effects, if that makes sense. And again, there is obviously the, the psychological aspect, but also that kind of placebo aspect where you're like, oh yeah, man, I'm feeling hyped, you know? I'm gonna do I'm gonna have a great session now. You know, so you actually do have a great session. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know? So that, that is very important what you're saying there. But yeah, I do think the research somewhat shows it, like you're saying. And then obviously anecdotally, I would agree with it that if you're a habitual coffee user, you don't really get those side effects at least. So you don't get those placebo effects, right? And um, so if you are using caffeine for a performance enhancing effect, right? and you want to get the most 
out of your caffeine, right? What we have to discuss then as well is the cons of caffeine intake, right? Because if you just discuss the pros and you're like, this is a performance enhancing effect, blah, 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 and you go, yeah, dose around 200 to 500 milligrams for most individuals. And then you also have to take into account the other caffeine in your life, you know, whatever else you're consuming, you know, there's a half life here of whatever, six to nine hours. So you have to factor that in. If you do all that, you're just really talking about the kind of the pros of it and the performance enhancing side of it. But what you really need to discuss then is how does that potentially take away from other things that will actually allow you to progress long term, right? Like what are the cons of having that much caffeine in your system consistently, right? And is it something that we should actually do long term, right? Because obviously I just said like, oh, there seems to be heart health promoting benefits. There's obviously that performance enhancing benefits both in the gym and then obviously in your your work life as well. So you know you're kind of like, yeah, this this makes sense to just be hammering this in all the time. Right. Yeah, okay, cool. I may not be getting as big a magnitude of benefit as some of these people that are not habitual caffeine users, uh, but I'm still getting the benefit. So you know the pros outweigh any of the cons. But we actually have to consider the cons, right? So the first one to consider is its effect on sleep, right? And we touched on this in the last episode where, you know, we said like, you know, you ideally don't have the stimulants close to bedtime. And as we said earlier on, again, like six to nine hours is the half, you know? So that effectively means that you are restricted in your caffeine intake till we'll say the kind of cutoff for it is kind of that 12 to 2 p.m. time frame, assuming you're going to bed at 10 to 12 p.m., right? Or 12 a.m., whatever, <laughs> you know? So it's assuming that. So that means that the vast majority of people that are training, which are training in the evening, because that's when the vast majority of people train, you know, you've effectively got people that train before work in that 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. slot, and you have people that train effectively from 6 p.m. till whatever time the gym closes at, we'll say 11 p.m., right? They're the two training windows for most people. And fitness industry is a little bit different because most other people are like personal trainers or whatever, so they're training people at those times, so they generally train in the middle of the day. And obviously you have everyone else who effectively doesn't have jobs or have jobs that allow them to train at whatever time they want. And they might be training in the middle of the day because the gym is less busy. But effectively, what, what leads it, what ends up happening is people still use caffeine despite training in the evening, you know? Like they'll go into a session and have, I don't know, three scoops of pre-workout before their six o'clock session, right? And then they wonder why they can't get to sleep at night, you know? So long-term, that's just gonna be an issue. For your overall performance, as we've discussed earlier, like in the last episode, like sleep is is probably the the foundation of all this stuff. You know, like sleep is the thing that's going to improve your performance the most long term. You know, so it makes sense that you would prioritize sleep rather than whatever stimulatory or whatever effects, performance enhancing effects you get from caffeine intake in your six o'clock session. You know, like if you have to triple scoop caffeine because you've had a rough day at work 
and you're like, oh, I'm just, I'm feeling tired. Because that's, that's why most people will take a pre-workout then before the gym. They're like, oh, I'm tired from my, my day in work. You know, I, I want to still have a good session. So they end up going, oh, I'll have some caffeine. I'll have some pre-workout or I'll have whatever triple espresso or whatever. They end up having a, a big dose of caffeine later in the day. But that then just negatively impacts their ability to sleep, right? So they get that negative, which is probably a bigger negative overall than the potential benefits they would get from the pre-workout, you know, in the evening. Would you agree with that, Gary? Yeah, that's just a bit of a, it's a vicious feed forward cycle, really, like, especially for people who are working your typical kind of eight to four, nine to five job, you know, like they're starting in the morning, they're finishing, you know, just before dinner time, and then they go and train after that. Like, essentially what they end up doing is putting themselves in a position where they're not able to get to sleep. So they either just don't get to sleep or they move, they essentially change their behavior so that they, ge they generally stay up later. Like it's not uncommon for people to just stay up between, you know, 12, 12 to 2 a.m. And that becomes their baseline because they're not tired until then. And then what they're essentially doing is they're getting up at six or seven again. So you're talking, you know, between like four to, to six, maybe seven, if you're lucky, hours of sleep per night. And then that obviously puts you in a position where one, you're tired throughout the day um, when you're in work. So you're likely to be consuming more caffeine then, which as we established is still in your system later on. And then they're also likely to need that kind of post-work kick up the arse in the form of coffee or pre-workout again. And then that, feeds forward again and that can that can then you know feed further into into the weekends if you've got into that routine where you know 12 to 2 a.m is your standard bedtime people generally don't go to bed earlier at the weekends so that's not that's unlikely to be the case so you do have to consider how how your your how your behaviors influence your behaviors because that is essentially what is ending up happening it's a it's a feed forward cycle you see the same thing when people talk about their nutrition they're like i'm a night eater and it's like well, yeah, but that's because you don't eat anything during the day. Like you, you, you don't eat breakfast, so you're naturally hunger late, hungrier later on. Mm. This is the same thing here with, with tiredness. Yeah, and it's again, like you said, like it's, it's kind of a vicious feed-forward loop because once you get into that cycle, it's like you, you're, you're kind of stuck in it, you know? And it's actually really hard to then change your overall schedule because you then have to change so many habits, you know? It's like, okay, you have to then change your sleep habits you also have to then change your your caffeine consumption habits throughout the day but it's already really hard to do because you know you try to go to sleep earlier but you're not tired and then you try to not drink as much coffee throughout the day but you're tired so people end up feeling like oh my god i'm on the wrong kind of schedule for you know my life i should be you know on some other schedule you know and again it's it's, it's really hard to get out of that but effectively what you need to do is basically take a break from caffeine but we're, we'll get to that towards the the end of the episode of kind of protocols or whatever. So that would be the big major con with caffeine intake, that it's going to interact with your sleep, right? But also you have to consider as well, like although there are health promoting benefits of this, um, well, like I was saying, you know, it tones the adrenals, you know, in terms of you're using them, you know, that's cool. But if you're already in a very stressful environment, you know, you're in a work environment that's stressful. You have other stressors, life stressors, whatever else. It's like you get to a stage where it's like you're just putting an extra load on your body to deal with, which effectively you just have to recover from that. You know what I mean? Like it's like this is an extra 
stressor. It stops being a whatever that hormetic hormetic strata stressor. You know, it's not you're not getting a benefit from it. You know, you're effectively just drinking five or six cups of coffee per day to keep you from crashing out completely because you've stressed yourself so much that you've actually net like your stress is so like high that your recovered status or whatever you want to call it is extremely low. And you're never, you're basically using caffeine to make your body ignore that, you know, like you're just fatigued all the time. And it's because you are using something to mask your fatigue. You know, like I always think of it, it's basically like we wouldn't do it with any other thing. Well, some people do, but you, like if you literally, I don't know, tore your ACL or something, right? Like I'm not just going to lash you full of, you know, some sort of uh, anesthetic or analgesic or whatever and then go, yeah, go on, continue, run that match, keep training, you know? Like you're not going to do that. Like you, you wouldn't do that if you literally just fucked yourself up completely. You know, you got some sort of injury and go, yeah, I'm just going to take a load of painkillers or some sort of numbing agents so that I just don't feel this and I'm just going to pretend nothing happened, you know? Like in your head, if you did that, you'd be like, yeah, no, that's actually a pretty stupid approach. You know, I'm basically like letting, I'm, I'm encouraging the wheels to fall off the wagon. You know, like again, like you wouldn't do it with your car. If there's a warning light on, you wouldn't just go, I'm just going to put a sticker over that warning light so I don't see it. Yeah. You know? Like there's a reason it's on, you know, maybe a stupid, stupid reason. Like when the lights are broken, but if it's like, oh yeah, your brakes are faulty, you know, go, oh, I'm just going to cover that up and hope that the brakes fix themselves. You know, like you actually have to engage in behaviors. You actually have to go out and get your brakes fixed. You know, you actually have to engage in behaviors to reduce this accumulated fatigue that you've accumulated over time. And you can't just keep masking it with caffeine. You know, do you have anything to add on that, Gary? Yeah, like, uh, like it, it's, a, it's a tough one because like sometimes there are cases where you, you just have to ignore the brake light and push on for a while. And, and like, that's okay if you accept the trade-offs. Like one of, I've got a, actually a couple of clients, but one in particular, we had lots of con- conversing about this. Um, like recently, you know, the, all the, for anyone that works in, in the, the big accounting companies, they were super busy recently because like you're essentially coming up to the, the deadline, their, the deadlines, their busiest period of the year. So, you know, she was staying at work later, coming in earlier, you know, and basically all she was doing was working um, which involved lots and lots and lots of stress because of the nature of this this time of the year for her job and she was training um and as it, like there, there was just there wasn't enough time for her to literally get enough sleep and there there are those periods of time where like we can say get seven to nine hours but should but like once this period is over i'm gonna pull back you just cut out there uh you said you should say we say you should get seven to nine hours that was the last thing i heard okay uh we say you should get seven to nine hours of sleep um but that's not possible because there's literally not enough hours remaining so quite challenging and for many people this is the case where there are those periods in the year or it could even be a year or a multi-year period where 
you are really just burning the candle at both ends. And I think like you just have to understand the trade-off. Like I'm going to have exams coming up again this semester, a little bit more clean than I otherwise would. And once I can accept the trade-offs for those brief periods of time, like that's okay. But that's not a long-term strategy. And ultimately you need to be holding yourself accountable for those behaviors and asking yourself, you know, what your priorities are in the long run. And I know we're just talking about caffeine here, but the caffeine is part of other behaviors. Um, so yeah, I would totally agree with you that it's not a useful strategy to just use caffeine to mask the fact that you're not engaging in other behaviors. Like sleep is probably the biggest one, but other things, you know, include having a life outside work. Like that's a big one. And it's like college, because if there's one reliable way to get burnt out, like it's to focus only on one area of your life and have nothing else outside of that, let those areas get neglected. And that's especially the case if you don't feel you have autonomy in your work you don't see a purpose in it you don't see a meaning in it if it's if it's solely a negative experience and like that's only acting as a stressor then that again is something to to consider within this this overall um, equation i guess you'd call it in terms of the stress you're being exposed to and um, so yeah I, to 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 basically validate those of you that are listening they're like oh i just can't i can't not drink more caffeine you know it's fine for a short period of time if you understand the trade-offs of burning the candle at both ends, but ultimately you should consider your long-term priorities and adjust your behaviors accordingly, hopefully, if that's possible. Yeah, like I always look at it though, it's like, but people will listen to that and say, oh yeah, that's that's where I fall that's into me. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly me. But it's like, no, it's, for most people, it's just not. Like there are obviously gonna be periods of time, you know, where it's like, okay, like you, you just can't prioritize these things. Like your priorities are elsewhere. Like you said, with the accounting, it's like, no, there's, it's a busy time. Like say you work in retail, you're like, you know, coming up to Christmas, it's gonna be busier. But you're like, okay, my life is gonna be more stressful. I've got more people interacting. I've got whatever else, so you know, maybe I do have to take a back seat or these other priorities have to take a back seat. You know, that would be a perfect time to reduce your training volume. Like we've talked about before, you know, you're like, okay, I'm, I am training six days per week, you know, okay, can we bring that down to three, four days per week? You know, like there's other things that you can also engage in so that some of your time is freed up as well, you know? Um, but even again, you may already be training three, four days per week. You're at the lower end of everything. You're like, no, I still don't have enough hours in the day. And that's fine certain periods of time, you're going to be in that case where it's like, okay, yeah, you're going to have to use a little bit of caffeine to get you through that period of time, that month, that two months, whatever. But if this is a multi-year thing where it's like, no, no, this is actually my lifestyle now. Like every single day, this is what I do. I just feel fatigued all the time. I just have five to six cups of coffee per day. I can't sleep at night. I'm at the wrong end of the, the day schedule for my life. And you then listen to this and you're like, yeah, actually, no, I'm actually in that category. I'm really busy, but you only have a nine to five job. I say only have a nine to five job, but uh, you have a nine to five job where you're not in a stressful period in that job. Like, yeah, okay. Maybe, you know, you have the general stressors of that job. Um, but it's not like, Oh, this is your busy time of year. It's just the, the general time of year. Like I always look at it like, and obviously like stress is relative and you know, different people are going to respond differently, but it's like, there's people out there that have, three, four jobs um, and they're putting themselves through college and they're trying to, you know, get some sort of training done throughout the week. And it's like, okay, yeah, cool. Like those individuals are probably going to have to rely on caffeine a little bit more. 
you know, because their schedule is so packed. But if you're able to look at Netflix for three, four hours of your day, it's like your schedule is not packed, not, not in the slightest. You might be like, oh, my stress is so high that I need that to wind down. It's like, yeah, but your stress is so high is because you're using that to wind down rather than using those two hours productively, you know, getting to sleep earlier, waking up earlier, doing stuff more productively, not being tired throughout the day, not having to rely on caffeine throughout the day, not having to rely on caffeine to get through your workout and then staying up late at night. So again, it's a vicious cycle that occurs and then you're like, oh, all these habits are because I'm trying to offset all this other stuff. And it's like, yeah, but you could offset the entire problem, but by not engaging in the, the problematic behavior, you know? But again, it's a, it's a hard cycle to get into, right? Or sorry, to get out of. And so that would be the main con of caffeine intake. Now, Gary, you recently gave up caffeine, right? Well, for a while anyway. Are there any other cons that you have identified that potentially people aren't aware of of caffeine intake? Because Again, it sounds pretty good as long as you're mindful of your overall fatigue in actuality, not just your, your masked fatigue, and if you're not relying on caffeine. But are there any other cons that you're aware of? Yeah, so like, I mean, this is one of those things that's a bit more difficult to have a conversation about because I guess what we talk about when we're giving out general information is that like, like on average, this is what caffeine seems to do. But we have to appreciate that anytime you use a drug with this, which this fundamentally is, like we can talk about the same when it comes to food, there are going to be inter-individual responses. Um, and like, depending on, like you were talking about receptors, depending on the subtype of the, the adenosine receptor that you happen to have, the variations that you happen to have, like that can change the response that you have to caffeine. Depending on the the cytochrome P450 enzymes, like some of the, the families of enzymes, the, the 1A2 ones that are responsible for metabolizing caffeine, you can have variants in those as well that determine you know, how you respond to caffeine. So you, you have to appreciate these different things like can vary between individuals and that can manifest then in terms of the actual experience that you have and sometimes objective changes in your health. And I suppose the, the, the classic Thing that some people report is that they just feel nothing when they have caffeine you know and like i feel nothing i feel no benefit or it just makes me feel sick or i just get headaches etc etc and there's certainly some clients that have reported that to me and you know we've trialed different caffeine sources maybe starting in a smaller dose or whatever and they're just like no like this is not for me and that's fine you know so if you're listening to this and you're thinking oh god i gotta get, get on this caffeine hype man but every time you do it you feel like shit like you have to appreciate that there, there could be some underlying physiological reasons why that is the case. And I would just trust those symptoms um, in that case. Um, furthermore, like there, there is some, there, there is some evidence to show that like the, the cardiovascular benefits that, that you, that you were discussing, um, they're not universal. And sometimes you can have the opposite effect. Um, in like, in my case, one of, like I haven't, I haven't assessed it in a, reliable and controlled enough way to really know if this was the effect but in my case like my blood pressure seems to respond um more like in a hypertensive high blood pressure direction um a negative direction more than others might okay and like that is that is supported by some other research on on caffeine intake in certain individuals um again depending on the variation in those cytochrome p50 enzymes like that you can you could have if you were to have caffeine 
you might have a very small change in your systolic and diastolic blood pressure, even in the short term um, and or in the long run. Whereas for me or for someone else, they might notice that that has a more pronounced effect on them. So you have to consider like, like that's a harder thing, I think, for the average person to manage. Um, so I would just, I would just include that in my, I would just pop it in my head and keep it for later. Like, for example, if you do go to the doctor and they're like, it seems like your blood pressure is running a bit high and there's no other reason that you could potentially have, you know, higher blood pressure, then that might be something worth playing around with. But it's not something I would say that everyone, all right, go get your 23 and me, see what version of the cytochrome P450 enzyme you have, then change this, control that. I don't think that's realistic for most people, but at least knowing that there's rationale for variation, I think is useful. And it goes just beyond directly cardiac stuff. Like you, you see some, some people uh, in, in, in hypertensive patients, people who do already have high blood pressure, again, depending on those cytochrome P450 enzymes, you get some people might have impaired fasting blood glucose in response to high caffeine intakes, whereas other people, it doesn't seem to have much of an effect. Again, inter-individual variation that is present. So there's some stuff that you wouldn't notice on the surface, but I think what people can definitely take away and control on the surface are the sort of symptoms that they're experiencing. So if you're feeling sick, if you're getting headaches, if you're feeling nauseated, um, another example would be people who have um, who suffer from anxiety. Like if, you, if, you, if you're generally a very anxious person and caffeine exacerbates that, then that might be something to consider. On the opposite side of that spectrum, maybe you, like if you are already anxious, you don't want to be adding in the additional anxiety of having to be anxious about not consuming caffeine. I've heard people make that case before. That's fair enough. Um, but yeah, I would say control the stuff that you can control and just note that there might be some underlying health considerations and that it's not all just get on the caffeine train. All right. <laughs> That's very fair. Also, I always look at it and you did actually mention this before when you talked about you getting off caffeine as well, like effectively feeling like you have to rely on a substance yeah. to live your life. You know, it's kind of, I want to say weak, <laughs> but like, but it, it's just not a good approach for life. You know, like obviously that's, that's not necessarily true. Like I'm not going to say to someone who's a diabetic an insulin dependent diabetic, like oh, you need to fucking rely on a yeah, yeah. <laughs> to uh, live huh, this week. Like obviously I'm not, I'm not saying this, my, this argument is perfect, but the fact that you have intentionally chosen to rely on this drug and set up your life as a result of using this drug so that you do actually rely on this drug. Like that's, that's very, very much akin to like drug abuse, you know, and obviously like they're huge worlds apart, but like you can see how they do parallel each other. Whereas like, you know, someone uses heroin and then they effectively need to use that heroin consistently to, you know, live a life, you know, they're like, Oh no, I, I need to have that heroin, you know? Now, obviously it's, it's uncomparable as well because, you know, people aren't going out and going like, Oh, here, I'm going to fucking sell my body for some caffeine. But again, that's because caffeine is also very freely available, you know, and also it doesn't have the degenerative effects that other drugs do, you know, but the, the, we'll call it the psychology around it is very similar or rather they, they parallel each other quite well, you know, where it's like you effectively expose yourself to this drug. Now you're hooked on this drug and 
if I withdraw you from this drug, you effectively get withdrawal symptoms, you know, where you're like, Oh, I'm getting headaches. I feel like shit. I'm getting the shakes and whatever else. It's like, if you just expose someone who didn't know anything about drugs, didn't have the, the society we do, like you got some fucking, I don't know, uncontacted tribe person. Uh, and you're just like, yeah, right. We're going to teach you some basic English, whatever. Fuck, you know, you brought them up to standard, but you never taught them about drugs. And you go, okay, this is what happens when you withdraw from drugs. And you told them that. And then you showed someone withdrawing from caffeine. You'd just be like, oh, so this is just a weaker version of this other thing. You know, like that's, that's what it appears to be. You're like, okay, you're just getting weaker effects. You know, you're getting weaker withdrawal effects. You're getting a weaker uh, habit forming effects. You're getting a weaker, you know, uh, effect from this drug. It's just a weaker drug. You know, that's what you would conclude from looking at those two people in parallel. You're like, oh, this person withdrawing from heroin, they have an excruciating experience, you know, but this person withdrawing from caffeine, it's like, yeah, they're having a pretty bad time, but you know, they're getting similar kind of effects, you know, getting some shakes, getting some headaches, getting some nausea. It's like, this just seems like a weaker version, you know? Now, obviously, again, I'm not saying that they're, they're even comparable at all, but I'm just saying that they, they parallel each other in terms of the, the overall approach. And when you look at it from the perspective that you've effectively made, effectively made yourself addicted to this drug and you need it to rely, or you rely on it to get through your daily life. It's like, that's, a, that's, a, that's not something you would intentionally want to do you know, or rather that is something that you should probably not engage in, you know, long-term. Like I always look at it and like we've said it before when we're discussing like a nutrition and stuff, it's like, do, would you, would you like to see your kids doing this? You know, like we've talked about it before when people have like disordered eating patterns where they're like, Oh, well, like I basically binge and restrict. It's like, would you teach your kids this pattern? Like, would you teach your kids be like, oh yeah, you need to have five to six cups of coffee per day to get through your day. You know, like, would you intentionally teach them that? Yeah, probably not. You know, maybe, maybe you see, you don't see it as an issue, but you know, I generally, generally think I'm like, that's probably not something that I would encourage my kids being addicted to, you know? And what are your thoughts on that, Gary? Yeah. Like, I mean, that was, that was one of the reasons that I kind of brought up when I was saying, you know, I'm going to take a break from caffeine is that that idea of being reliant on something like just made me feel very uncomfortable. Like I don't, I don't see myself as being that type of person. So I'm like, Oh yeah, just cut this cold turkey kind of a thing. Like obviously I still had some tea and stuff, but, but yeah, I just, I just don't think you, you should, like, it's obviously a totally subjective thing like within my, what I view the world to be like, but I don't think you should be reliant on anything, you know, like obviously to some degree, like you, you should eat food, but, you know, you shouldn't be reliant on things that, that, that you're basically dependent on. And I, I just, I just don't like to do that in, in any, any of my life. Like if I felt that I was dependent on Instagram to get through my day, like I would feel very uncomfortable about that. Um, if I felt that I needed to watch Netflix to get through my day, I would feel very uncomfortable about that, you know? So like obviously you can make that decision for yourself. Um, but yeah, like it is a, it is essentially a, like it, as you said, it is a drug, but it's a case of 
just a different magnitude of effect to other drugs, but you still have to think of it in term, like in a similar way, as in there are people who, they're CEOs, successful business people, you know, showbiz people, like these are the types of people that are generally known for it, but there's people who just take cocaine to get through their day. Like, you know, get up, you know, take, take, take a couple of lines, you know, at your break, take a couple of lines, get through your day. And when, when people hear those stories, like civilized people, they're like, oh, oh my God, that's awful. But it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, like I agree with you, but caffeine is used in a very, very similar manner. It's just basically to differing degrees. Like just because the response is not as great, then like that doesn't, that doesn't mean that it's, it's not a similar behavior that you're engaging in. And obviously when we begin to normalize things socially, people look at them very differently. The exact same thing takes place between people who take those types of recreational drugs and people who consume alcohol, which again is a drug, you know, like people wouldn't bat an eyelid at someone going for four to six pints every evening, even though that is like, that's drug, that's drug use. That's very, a very high level of drug use. But again, because it's socially normal, people don't even think twice about it. So in this case, like, of course, question your alcohol use, but also like caffeine, just, just kind of question and say, like, am I dependent on this? Do I want to be dependent on this? Um, yes, there may be some health benefits, but very often I think we actually just, we go, we go out of our way to justify it. And that's probably because like the, the researchers, the doctors, the nutritionists, the bloggers, Everyone that's writing about caffeine, they love caffeine. They love coffee. So obviously there's going to be some inherent bias there. Um, so, so just check yourself, I guess, would be the message. Yeah, it's probably actually, probably shouldn't use heroin as the example, but it's probably, <laughs> probably more akin to like cigarettes, nicotine. Because nicotine has a fuck ton of, uh, we'll call them performance enhancing benefits. You know, like it includes, incre increases verbal fluency, like nicotinic acetylcholine receptors are on the brain. It increases like, you know, physical performance as well. Like does a load of good things, you know, but it's also, you know, lung cancer and shit, you know? Uh, so it probably wouldn't be a good long-term strategy. But again, the, the addictive qualities, like if you're seeing someone that's like, oh no, I need to have, you know, smoke a 20 pack per day. And then you're seeing someone that's like, oh no, I need to have six cups of coffee per day. It's like, they, they parallel each other like it's very similar you know you're both addicted you know it's like just one has like more detrimental effects than the other you know but anyway you can make that decision you can say we're talking shit if you like personally I'm very libertarian in my beliefs I'm like as long as you're not asking for my money uh, and you respect my rights to be make my choices I'm like I couldn't care less if you want to fucking smoke crack, whatever you want you know I, I don't care um, so we're not being puritanical or rather, even though it does sound somewhat, we're like, Oh, you shouldn't do this. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I actually don't care as long as you don't put an increased burden on the healthcare system that I then have to pay for. I'm like, I don't care. Um, <laughs> um, so there's that, but what, what, like, what's our, let's dial into the, the, the protocol. Like what are, what are we actually recommending? So how do we, how do we run that line, that thin line between, okay, there's performance enhancing benefits that we may want to in, you know, accrue from this, but we don't want to get into this thing where we're either essentially addicted to this substance or where we are effectively, yeah, reliant on this substance to get through the day or setting up our day in a way that because I use this substance, I'm 
engaging in other habits then as a result that are detrimental to my long-term results, you know, such as a lack of sleep or altered sleep schedule, altered day schedule. Like, how, how do we run that line? How do we, how do we stay on track but not fall either side of that? Because effectively what I do or what I recommend is, first of all, you should have days where you just don't have caffeine, right? Like we generally don't recommend like was a resistance training every single day. You might do some activity every day, you know, where you're like, okay, well I do whatever I go for a jog or, you know, I go for a walk or whatever you're, you're doing some activity. You're keeping generally active, but you know, we'll say you save your caffeine intake for the stuff that it's going to be most effective in enhancing performance, which is generally anaerobic stuff, you know, so we'll say resistance training stuff or sprint stuff. Like while it does have a, good performance enhancing effects on aerobic stuff you know the 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 preponderance of evidence suggests that the magnitude of effect is better for the more anaerobic stuff which would make would make a lot of mechanistic sense but again depending on what you're trying to enhance more maybe you actually choose to use your caffeine for your aerobic stuff like maybe you are training for a marathon and you're like no the, the aerobic stuff that's the stuff that i want to have the most performance enhancement from you know my resistance training or whatever other training that's kind of we'll say maintenance i don't really care if my numbers are improving so much i'm basically just you know injury prevention and you know just general health from my resistance training so obviously make that call yourself but depending on how you set up your week you want to use your caffeine strategically like gary said earlier on and that can mean like you only use caffeine on your hard days, you know, again, that could be aerobic work, that could be anaerobic work, or just you've, you've chosen one or the other. And then within that, you can also then vary your caffeine intake in correspondence with the amount of volume or intensity you're doing. Like maybe you're like, yeah, before legs, I like to have, you know, some caffeine. It helps me get through it, but I don't really need it for my upper body days, you know? Um, if that's the way you're setting up your program or whatever, if you're like, okay, these days, two days per week, I'm doing way more volume. And then those days you want to have more caffeine, you know? So strategically use your caffeine is effectively what I'm saying, but you also want to have days where you're just not having caffeine throughout the day. Right. And that could mean a simple switch just to lower the magnitude of caffeine that you're, you're intaking is to switch your regular coffee to decaf coffee. Right. So if you're like, oh, man, I just love the, the taste of coffee. I like having that experience. I like going, you know, to the, the cafeteria or whatever, making a coffee. It breaks up my day. It allows me to get some steps in, allows me to engage in, you know, socializing, other healthful habits. Where you're like, I just want to reduce the caffeine. I don't want to be reliant on this. Right. You can switch to decaf. Like, yes, there is some coffee or sorry, some caffeine in it. But again, if you like the taste, whatever else. Another good approach would be like what Gary did when he quit coffee is like, oh, I'm going to switch to like teas and stuff, you know, and there are teas available. There's different like flavors and, you know, types or whatever that actually have no caffeine. So if you're like, I just like, you know, a warm drink, especially as it comes into the winter and whatever, you're like, oh, I just like a warm drink. It just, you know, I like having the mug there or whatever. Like you just go for something that doesn't have any caffeine in it, you know? And for most people, you're going to have to brave or effectively go through withdrawals to get out of this cycle. You know, so maybe it is the, the case where you use a, a long weekend or you use a weekend where you're like, I'm just Saturday and Sunday, I'm having no, no caffeine, right? You know, you might get headaches, you might feel sick, you might get a lot of negative effects, but it's like, you have to go through that so that you're not reliant on this for 
the, the rest of your life, you know? Um, so that, that would be a good approach. So that's, that's generally what I like. I like to have a few days off per week of no caffeine or at least extremely reduced caffeine intake, you know? I also like to strategically use my caffeine as needed. However, the thing that's going to fuck most people up is that they do train in the evening. So what I'm going to recommend for those people is to just not use caffeine before the gym. So effectively what I'm saying is you should also set a cutoff point for your caffeine intake, you know, whether that's 12, whether that's two, whether that's one, I don't know, whatever it is for you as an individual, but generally around the middle of the day, we'll say six to nine hours before you intend on going to sleep at the very least, that's when you want to have reduced or stopped your caffeine intake, you know? So for most people, that's going to be around that kind of 12 to two time frame, you know? Would you agree with all that, Gary? Yeah, like I mean, the only thing I think I'd probably disagree with, but it could just be because I haven't seen the research, is like generally I think the, the effect of caffeine on like aerobic endurance type exercise is actually a bit more pronounced, but could just be wrong. Not no, I'm, sure. pretty, I'm pretty sure anaerobic and power essentially get more of a magnitude of effect, you know? You know what? You, Go on to examine.com right there, right now, right? You including resistance training in that, like, or what, yeah. what do you mean? You mean sprint type intervals or yeah, sprint, ana, ana, anaerobic stuff, you know? But again, like all this stuff is really hard to decipher because it's like, yeah, I know, I know. I'm just saying aerobic effects and everything, but go on to examine.com right now. Fuck, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it this second. I'm just, I'm just sticking with my, I'm just standing up for my aerobic brothers. Like all the, all the yoggers that are listening that are like, Oh, what's, what's the crack here? You know, yeah, right. I'm on examine.com right now. So the first thing they have anaerobic running capacity, magnitude of effect, two bars, right? Power capacity to power output, two bars, right? Aerobic exercise, one bar. Yeah, look at the look at the studies. Look at the studies. I'm just using this. I'm just. I'm not the I know. I know. All I'm saying. All I'm saying is that I'm standing up for my fellow yoggers who are like, I want to take some caffeine, bro. Yeah, that's uh, but yeah. Anyway, that's what I said. I said depending on what you're prioritizing, you know, like use it strategically. If that means you are trying to improve your aerobic performance, then that's what you use it for. You know, you go, okay, I'm doing this anaerobic stuff. I'm just not going to use it for that. I'm not going to get. I'm not going to use it to get the performance enhancing benefits there. And instead yeah, I'm using it yeah. for aerobic. I'm like, I think that just makes the most sense. Like whatever your priorities are, I don't care if it actually is better for aerobic performance or anaerobic performance. Like if your aerobic performance is where it needs to be and your anaerobic performance is not where it needs to be. Well, guess what? You know, you should use it for your anaerobic performance so that you get your anaerobic performance up to where it needs to be. And then, you know, you can more strategically, depending on your overall goals, use it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I mean, most programs like that are like, especially if you're engaging in multiple activities, like most kind of smart programs will have days that are very clearly more challenging than other days. Like, for example, if you're doing something like if we take, we take like me or you because we do a couple of different things. Like if I, if I'm doing a bit of resistance training, doing a bit of BJJ and I'm doing running, like I know I, I don't need caffeine for BJJ sessions. Like I, I know it's just, it's not something that I need. And the sessions are very, you gradually get into them. You're doing lots of drilling and yeah, you might do rolls at the end, but like the, the benefit of having caffeine there, it's like, it's not, not huge for me. So I'm like, all right, I, don't, I very, very rarely have any, any caffeine before one of those sessions, especially because they're in the evening. Um, my resistance training, like, because I kind of do it like 
interspersed throughout the week in short periods of time, like because I'm a barbell at home. I basically, I very rarely have caffeine before any of those sessions either. Unless I'm doing, I'll generally do a longer session at the weekend. I might have some caffeine before that. But primarily for me at the moment, like if I'm going to strategically use caffeine, it's going to be before a challenging run um, of some sort that, that I think is, is really going to be of benefit or just before I'm going to go into a study session or do some writing or some triage work. You know, so you have to be strategic and try and save those benefits for when you think you might get the most out of them. Like if someone's just doing weight training, you're listening to this and you just train with weights. Maybe you train five days per week. One session is shoulders and arms. It's like, meh, yeah, you probably don't need the hype on that day. But maybe you do squats and deadlifts on a Monday and you work up to you know, heavy weights and you could do with the hype then, then you save it for that. And in terms of actual like dosing, like the dosing that provides a performance benefit is actually surprisingly high. And I think most people are surprised when they hear it. Um, like it's, it's generally like three to six milligrams per kg is like the, the typical average um, dose that's used. But like some studies go up to like 12 plus milligrams per kilo. Like I don't recommend that you do that. <laughs> Um, at least not right away but like if you were to say three to six milligrams per kilo let's just go with five like if you're 80 kilos that's 400 milligrams of caffeine like like that's no joke that's 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 what, like that's what i'm saying i just use i think it's easier for people to kind of visualize rather than go do the do the maths and like two to five hundred milligrams you know before a session i'm like that that literally hits the vast majority of people the only people it doesn't work for are people that are extremely caffeine sensitive and also quite small or people that are you know caffeine resistant we'll call it and also quite large you know so it's like they're the ones that are going to be affected you know um or rather not get the the beneficial dose from that um but yeah, that's, that's kind of just where I lie with the, the whole thing. Like if I go through my day, it's basically I resistance train. Well, I go through my thing before I was injured. Uh, resistance train, four days per week. Cardiovascular work, two, again, these are all in the morning, two mornings per week, and then four BJJ sessions in the evening. And I basically just have caffeine before my four resistance training sessions. I'm very rarely, if I am feeling a little bit fatigued, depending on how the, the week has gone, the day has gone, whatever, I might have a coffee at 12 or 1 you know, but that would be rare. And generally it would be in a, a kind of more social situation. You know, I wouldn't be like, Oh, I'm going to go out of my way to go get a coffee. It'd be like, Oh, we're going to the shop now in between class or whatever. I'm like, all right, yeah. cool. I'll, I'll grab a coffee. Anyway, I need to go because I have to go to mass. Um, but, uh, do you have anything else to say, Gary? Um, no, not quite. I mean, like, uh, just just one thing like for people who just love coffee because it tastes delicious and you don't like decaf because it doesn't taste the same don't feel bad about just having a cup of coffee on a saturday or a sunday or any day of the week really once you recognize like how how that might fit in with your overall caffeine intake and how that might affect potential performance benefits that you could otherwise get or the hype benefits um, so yeah there's nothing wrong with just being a coffee drinker wonderful now as per usual guys like comment subscribe do all that fun stuff we will have another uh podcast out on thursday this could be out on monday um yeah engage with our services if you so please there's group coaching available there are ebooks available there is online coaching available you know even if you're like i don't want to pay any money for any of these services but you want to get involved with the overall community that we have 
there's a free Facebook group. You can join it there. You'll get access, early access to whatever. Again, even if you're like, don't use Facebook, mate. It's not for me. Like, you can still get involved with the email newsletter. Um, we only send out one per week. We had basically a synopsis of everything that we've uh, done during that week. So if you're like, I actually don't engage with social media. I don't really care about any of that. I'm never on it. I have my life fucking sorted, squared away. But I would like to keep up to date with what they're doing. The email newsletter is the way forward. Again, the link is in the description. So if you are watching this on YouTube, subscribe to that channel. Like, do all that stuff because it actually does really help. And if you are listening to this on the podcast, um, on whatever podcasting platform, again, you have the option to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. And then also, if you could give us a review, that also does help. You know, like if you can go five stars, awesome. If you're like, nah, three stars, didn't like it. These are the issues with your podcast. I actually don't care. I enjoy that. I read that because I'm like, yeah, that actually helps us make better episodes. You know, anyway, guys, I'm going to wrap this up. As Gary would say, it is too easy, but I'm not giving him a chance to say it. goodbye.